crush manna fell to the ground as a gift from God. While the Israelites were in the wilderness, this is what they ate for 40 years. It was fresh from the ovens of heaven, baked by the master baker himself. How the Israelites must have anticipated the taste and smell of each morning's delivery. Just like the Israelites, you too can taste and smell fresh manna. Today you'll be listening to Pastor Sean Grisendine, pastor of the Houghton Seventh-day Adventist Church and assistant pastor of the Bessemer and Greenland Seventh-day Adventist Churches. Now, here's Pastor Sean. We continue our series through the sanctuary, and we're coming to the candlestick. It's a blessing to be able to look at this aspect of the sanctuary at this time of year. So I think about how God spread the light over the hills of Bethlehem as Jesus was born, the light of the world. So let's begin with prayer. If you're able, then you'll with me. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before your throne on our knees, thankful for the opportunity to ask for your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins and that you would allow us to understand your word clearly. Please hide me behind the cross of Christ. Please speak to us in a personal and individual way so that our lives can reflect the witness that you've called us to be. As we continue our journey through the sanctuary, give us clarity and understanding as you're preparing us for heaven, where we will finally see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen. To sing is as much an act of worship as is prayer, and so I am going to share a special song that really fits with the entire series that we're journeying together, and this song is called To Your Sanctuary. Some of you may be familiar with hymn 21 in the Sundamist hymnal, St. Dino is the melody, Immortal, Invisible, God Only Wise. And so I've prayerfully taken that melody and composed a song to it that journeys through the aspects of the sanctuary. So to your sanctuary, I'll sing it and pray that you'll be blessed. So this is part of that message in song. To your sanctuary, through the gates of praise, thanksgiving we carry and our hands we raise. To the bleeding victim, now all our eyes turn, our sin laid upon him, for Jesus we yearn. We come to approach you in your holiness, confessing before you our deep sinfulness, the way of salvation. You made very plain from your congregation. You cleanse every stain. On that brazen altar, all those lambs once died. By faith we won't falter in the crucified. Your cleansing by water, the laver makes sure. By your Holy Spirit, make our whole lives pure. Now within the Holy, our faith is assured. Your message of truth comes as bread from your word. The candlestick lightens our path evermore. Your Spirit guides us to what you have in store. 
The incense of prayer now draws us up to you. Your Spirit guides us how to live fully true. Mid conflict and trial, we cast all our cares on one without guile, who numbers our hairs. By faith we go onward through the second veil, to Jesus our High Priest, who never will fail. We humble our souls in true fasting today, and rest from our own works as you are the way. Now cleanse your high dwelling this atonement day. Your character shall stand good and right alway. With your intercession, our cleansing shall come. Lord, finish the story and soon take us home. Christ's desire is that we would not just journey through the sanctuary in a spiritual experience here, but one that leads us finally home. And that's the whole intent of the sanctuary. It is God's plan to get us over our sin problem and into his very presence. Because until sin is fully eradicated from our hearts and minds and lives, we would not actually even be safe in the presence of Jesus. We would be consumed. So in his mercy and his love, he has provided a way for us to be completely cleansed and transformed. And I praise God for that. The glory that shone upon the hills of Bethlehem at Christ's birth indeed reminds us that he came as the light of the world. Can you just imagine for a moment what life would be like without light? To be very honest, it would be like walking around if you were blind, because a blind person does not see light. God wants us to be able to see clearly, and this is the only piece of furniture within the holy place that actually was to give light, and it was to continually burn in the sanctuary. The scripture reading taken from Isaiah 11.2, we'll go there again, Isaiah 11.2, actually talks about the seven spirits of God. And these are the sevenfold character of God that was resting there in the sanctuary, and indeed is to rest upon Jesus and then upon us, as we are called also to be a light. Isaiah 11, verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And so, on the south side was the seven-branch candlestick within the sanctuary. I thought it might be nice to give a little bit of a, kind of a recap of where we've journeyed so far. We began our journey through the sanctuary at the entrance, where we enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And next, followed by, we come to the altar of sacrifice, representing the cross, where Jesus died as our great sacrifice. That took place on earth. Then also the laver, where there was washing and cleansing. And we also need to be washed and cleansed in baptism. And the priests, before they ministered in the holy place, or most holy place, had to wash their hands and feet, thereby signifying that God was a holy God, and they were to enter into his presence having been washed and cleansed. Jesus also was baptized as our example before he began his public ministry. And so now as we enter into the holy place, looking at what was taking place there, we're looking at the seven-branch candlestick on the south side. Let's go to the book of Exodus, though, to see the description of this piece of furniture in the sanctuary. Exodus 25, we're looking at verse 31. Exodus 25, 
I'm looking at verse 31. Exodus 25, beginning in verse 31, and we'll read up through verse 40. This is describing the candlestick, and everything in the sanctuary had to be made after the pattern that was shown to Moses and the mount. So it wasn't that he came up with this, God had revealed it to him, because it was to reveal what the heavenly sanctuary was like. Exodus 25, beginning in verse 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knops and his flowers shall be of the same. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it, three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, and three branches of the candlestick out of the other side, three bowls made like unto almonds, with a knop and a flower in one branch, and three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knop and a flower, so in the six branches that come out of the candlestick. And in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds, with their knops and their flowers. And there shall be a knop under two branches the same, and a knop under two branches the same, and a knop under two branches the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knops and their branches shall be of the same. All it shall be one beaten work of pure gold. And thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof, and they shall light the lamps thereof, that they may give light over against it. And the tongs thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold. Of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels. And look that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. So this piece of furniture was very beautiful. It was definitely something to behold. And it was only the priests actually that would have seen it because they were the only ones that entered in the holy place. You know, just trying to take in the scene of what it would be like. I like how Patriarchs and Prophets, page 349, paragraph 3, gives these words of description. No language can describe the glory of the scene presented within the sanctuary. The gold-plated walls reflecting the light from the golden candlestick. The brilliant hues of the richly embroidered curtains with their shining angels. The table and the altar of incense glittering with gold. Beyond the second veil, the sacred ark with its mystic cherubim. And above it, the holy Shekinah, the visible manifestation of Jehovah's presence. All but a dim reflection of the glories of the temple of God in heaven the great center of the work for man's redemption. So through the sanctuary, we see that God has a plan to redeem us completely from sin. We begin our journey on earth where we're all born, shaped in iniquity, and we need a savior. And we finally find that as we keep following where Jesus leads us through the sanctuary, that we'll finally be in his very presence. So the candlestick was made, as we just read, of beaten work. And have you ever prayed that God would bring you through a trial so that he would let his light shine through you? Well, that's essentially what Jesus came to this world to do. He came to this world to be tried. He came to this world to be tempted and to live a perfect life in our behalf. If you go to Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, it's very evident that it was through the sufferings and the trials he faced that he learned obedience. It's also for us to experience. Hebrews 5 and verse 8 and 9. Hebrews 5, verse 8 and 9. Speaking of Jesus, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So Jesus is described also in the book of Revelation as being in the midst of his church, in the midst of the seven candlesticks. And it shouldn't surprise us, indeed, that if he was tried and he suffered, that he also has a plan for us to go through suffering and trial to allow the light to emanate through us because that was how that one talent of pure gold 
was beaten into those seven branches and then to bear the light. We're basically representing the Holy Spirit. So if we go to Revelation chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. Revelation 1, verse 12 and 13, describing Christ in the midst of the seven candlesticks. Revelation 1, verse 12 and 13. Revelation chapter 1, we're looking at verse 12 and 13. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed of the garment down to the foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. So here this is describing Jesus. He's the one ministering among the candlesticks, which further in the Revelation describes the seven churches. So we're called to be witnesses in this world, and we can only do so if we allow the light, Jesus, to shine in us. Notice in John 8, 12, Christ was actually using language descriptive of the sanctuary in his ministry because he is the light source. Without him, there is no light in us. John 8, verse 12. John 8 and verse 12. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So throughout Christ's ministry, he revealed the light of the character of God, the unselfish love of the Father, and everything that he said and did. And yet, through the trials that he faced, he did not complain. He did not murmur. He kept his focus on revealing the character of God, and helping others. And so in the morning when I'm praying, I often like to ask God to fulfill these promises. I want God to be able to bring me through the trials and experiences that will allow his character to be seen because it's faith working by love that reveals that gold in the character. Go to Galatians 5, verse 6. We see here what God's purpose is for us through our trials. Galatians 5 and verse 6. Galatians 5, we're looking at verse 6. Galatians 5, verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. And that's really the gold tried in the fire experience. That's our characters being refined to reveal God's character to those around us. And we need God's grace to activate that faith in our lives so that we become living, shining vessels. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, There are times when we were tempted to go through a trial that it seems harder than we can bear, but God will give us the strength that we need to go through it graciously. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. While the refining experience may be painful, God knows that it's necessary for us, and so we can be shaped according to his plan and his pattern. As we surrender our hearts to Christ, the Holy Spirit will work in us to bring out a pattern of life that is to God's glory. And so, also in Revelation 4, verse 5, God wants us to receive the Holy Spirit to be living witnesses. Revelation 4 and verse 5. Revelation chapter 4, and we're looking at verse 5. And here's where the Bible also makes mention of the seven spirits of God that we talked about in Isaiah 11, verse 2. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So it's not that there are seven Holy Spirits. It's that there's seven aspects of his character. God wants us to reveal the character of God. And we can only do that 
when we invite the Holy Spirit to come and to live in and through us. Now, sometimes we might think that we can only truly do that perfectly or fully once we're in heaven. But God wants us to realize already we are by faith to be ambassadors of the heavenly identity that we experience in Christ while we're still walking this world. That's why we're still here to go through trials and tribulations and reveal God's character. Colossians 1 verse 13 describes translation as a past tense experience. Colossians 1 and verse 13. Taking away the darkness of sin and revealing the light of his character. Colossians 1 and verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Indeed. Remember that the candlestick was made of one talent of pure gold. And when you read in Exodus 25, there's no dimensions given. It's significant. God does not put limits on how far you can go with Jesus. Isn't that great? There's no limit to what God's witness can be through your life if you allow him to work in you. But it's interesting that Jesus uses a parable of talents in which there was one that had received only one talent. And maybe he thought, there's not a lot I can do with this. But if you go to Matthew 25, starting in verse 14, God wants us to realize that even if you only have one talent, that's all that that was used to make that entire candlestick. God can use it to be a witness. Matthew 25, and we're looking at verse 14. Matthew 25, and verse 14. Matthew 25, we're looking at verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and to deliver unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I have sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this parable on the surface, we might not say, how is this connected to the seven branch candlestick? Well, If we think about it, each and every one of us is in this earth. And that's where we start our Christian experience. We're not in heaven yet. But if we will use the talents God gives us, 
will put them out to use to bless others, to win souls, God will see fit that we are truly living a character the way Christ did. Some of us may compare ourselves to others and say, well, look, they have more than I do. God's not asking you to compare yourself to others, but to look to Jesus. And if you will simply put your talents into God's purposes, you will be found faithful. And even the one talent could have been used to bring other people to Christ. And so it is that just one talent of gold was used to make that entire piece of the furniture. And it was a glorious witness because each and every one of us, we need Bible study, prayer, and a witness to be able to grow in our Christian experience. And so it is that we're called to be a light in this world. Matthew 5, verse 14. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount knew that we needed to reflect the light that he shines upon us. Matthew 5 and verse 14. Matthew 5 and verse 14. The Bible tells us, You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So only as we receive the light to shine it upon others will it continue to be shining brighter. The light that can only come through true conversion, true surrender of our hearts to Christ, and allowing the Holy Spirit to live out his purposes through us. Zechariah chapter 4 verses 1 through 6 describes that candlestick and that infilling of the oil. Because it's not enough for the gold. You could say, yes, you put your talents to God's use. But without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, there will be no transformation in your life or the lives of those around you. We need to plead for the Holy Spirit and ask him to live his life in us. The reflection of Christ's character. Zechariah 4, 1 through 6. Looking for our promises here in the Holy Spirit. Receiving that infilling of the holy oil representing the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, beginning in verse 1. And the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that is wakened out of his sleep and said to me, What seest thou? And I said, I have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and two olive trees by it, one upon the right side of the bowl and the other upon the left side thereof. So I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel that talked with me answered and said to me, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So in order to be a witness, we must acknowledge our continual need for the Holy Spirit to fill us. Pleading for the Holy Spirit, he will come. If you look in the Bible, The only reason why the Holy Spirit comes is that we ask. We simply ask for him to come and he will fill our hearts and our minds. I love how it's stated here in Christ's Object Lessons, page 418, paragraph 5. It says, but no man can impart that which he himself has not received. In the work of God, humanity can originate nothing. No man can by his own effort make himself a light bearer for God. It was the golden oil emptied by the heavenly messengers into the golden tubes to be conducted from the golden bowl into the lamps of the sanctuary that produced a continuous bright and shining light. It is the love of God continually transferred to man that enables him to impart light. Into the hearts of all who are united to God by faith, the golden oil of love flows freely to shine out again in good works, in real heartfelt service for God. Then it goes on in the next page, page 419, paragraph 1. It says, in the great and measureless gift of the Holy Spirit are contained all of heaven's resources. It is not because of any restriction on the part of God that the riches of his grace do not flow earthward to men. If all were willing to receive, all would become filled with his spirit. 
I don't know about you, but I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that your desire? Because there's no way to be a witness in this dark world without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that can give you the wisdom to say something that you wouldn't have even thought of. The Holy Spirit is the same one that can give you the wisdom to just say nothing at times, which is exactly the witness that some people need. If we think that we know what to say or to do in any situation of ourselves, and you could probably look back on your life and you're like, I really messed that up, Lord. And God said, you need to feel your need of me. Then I'll give you the wisdom to know what to say. And so it is throughout the life of Jesus. He did not depend on his own wisdom. He pled for fresh supplies of grace. He would go out and pray earnestly for the Holy Spirit to use him. And indeed, the Father did use him. So as we think about this time of year, we're probably going to be with family or friends. Some of our family or friends may not be believers in Jesus. Some of them may be at different places in their walk with God. And we need to be praying, Lord, allow me to say the things and do the things that reflect the light of your witness so that people are drawn to him. Inevitably, we are going to go through trials, even in the midst of blessings. We're going to have to pray, Lord, teach me what to say. Allow your Holy Spirit to use me. And we can praise God for his character. We can praise God that he's willing to use such weak and broken vessels as us, because that's really the key. Unless we're broken, we can't be used. Unless we die, we will not truly live. And so it is that the Holy Spirit has a plan for each and every one of us each day. In the upcoming aspects of the sanctuary, we're going to continue to learn as we continue the series. We'll learn about how integral it is to study the Bible, that we need the bread of life. We'll also learn about the importance of intercessory prayer. But then in that final most holy place experience, we'll realize that God wants to fully reproduce his character in us, writing his law in our minds and our hearts, and allowing us to stand faultless before his throne. That's the whole purpose of God. We were made by God to reveal his character to a world and to a universe that longs to see that God is able to fulfill his promises. And so if we're willing, we can become those candlesticks, those light bearers, with the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Isaiah 43 verse 7 gives us a beautiful promise describing why we were created in the first place. And truly, it's evidence that he made us to be his witnesses. Isaiah 43 and verse 7. God's promise is, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. There are times in our lives when we look back and we may not understand why we go through the trials we do. But God is trying to reach our hearts. And if the heart is reached, there's no limit to what God can do. He invites us to just simply surrender, not to try to figure out different situations we find ourselves in. Often you're going to be in situations you've never been in before, and you don't know what to say or to do. Get on your knees. And if maybe you're praying a lot before that, start praying more, because God will give you the wisdom to know what to say or to do. And at times it is to be silent. At times it is to say something. At times it is to go out of your comfort zone in areas that you've never been before. And that's what being a witness is. It's letting God use you to reach others for him. Jesus experienced that at every step. It wasn't like it was easy for him to go to Calvary or to go through Gethsemane. But he surrendered his will to the Father, nevertheless not as I will, but as thou wilt. That's really what the witness is. And so as we enter into this time of remembering the birth of Christ, and as we think about him being the light of the world, we need to pray more for the Holy Spirit and he will come. And so today, if it's your decision to surrender your heart, to Christ, to ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit to be that living witness, like we've learned about in the sanctuary, that seven-branch candlestick witness. If that is your desire, then I invite you to stand with me now. We can be living witnesses for Christ. If there's anyone here this Sabbath that wants to take that decision in realizing, and I'll just be very honest with you, 
that counterfeit experience that I'd had going on so long had to change, and I got rebaptized. There may be someone here that says, Lord, I need a victorious experience. I need to signify that I need a new start, and that you're recognizing it's a change in your very life. It's a change in the way you perceive God's promises. And so if there's anyone here that today either wants to be baptized or rebaptized, would you just like to raise your hand? Is there anyone here? Amen. Praise the Lord. God sees each heart. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us kneel together and ask God to seal every one of our hearts for him, for him to live in us and accomplish what we've invited him to do in us. Father in heaven, we've come to worship you. We've come to ask that we would truly be able to be filled with your Holy Spirit. There's nothing in and of ourselves that makes us worthy. It's the merits of the blood of Christ alone that are effective. And we thank you, Lord, that you're willing to take each and every one of us, no matter what our background, what our pain, what our struggles, what our sin temptations may be, to allow us to be molded and shaped through the trials we go through to be your living witnesses. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be with each one here that also has made a decision to either be baptized or rebaptized, that you'd encourage them in that journey, that you would strengthen us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live in harmony with your will and to know that you'll be with us as witnesses. Send us forth as witnesses at this season, Lord. May we be a light to our families and Father in heaven that each and every one of us here would be in heaven and each will hear this message that not one of us would be missing. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to Pastor Sean Brizendine, pastor of the Houghton Seventh-day Adventist Church and assistant pastor of the Bessemer and Greenland Seventh-day Adventist Churches. If you've enjoyed this sermon, why not visit one of his churches this coming Sabbath? I'm sure he'd be glad to meet you.